Good morning, church. Glad to see everybody here today. I'd like to thank the elders here at Monte Vista for giving me the opportunity to be here, uh, up here this morning, and to present a message from God's Word. I'd also like to say thank you to Brother Sean Jeffries. I've preached a couple times at the Casa Grande, Eloy, and Coolidge congregations, and whenever I had a question on a scripture or if I needed help with a sermon, he was a phone call away every time, so thank you, brother, for that. Now, I hope you all brought your Bibles with you this morning and are ready to go through them, because this morning we're going to be looking at quite a bit of Scripture together. This morning, I would like to talk to you about something that I believe that, uh, that at times we can all say that maybe we have struggled with or maybe even fallen short in, something that at times can be very hard for us to admit and to really hold ourselves accountable for, and that is, are we being workers for the Lord, or have we become the Christians that are too comfortable in the pews alone. You see, when I say becoming too comfortable in the pews alone, I don't mean this in a bad way. You see, we should all have the want and the need to be here together to worship our God. That is true. What I mean when I say this is, are we becoming a people where we do not want to do anything else for the Lord other than maybe come to worship service just once, maybe twice, or even three times during the week? Or maybe we pick up our Bibles and we do our daily Bible reading challenge. But are we really digging in those verses that we read and are we actually trying to find the meaning behind them and apply them to our daily lives so that way we can become stronger in our faith and by doing so become closer to God? You see, I myself have been a fault of this at times in my life. The thought process of, well, my job is to come to sing get my money, take the bread and the fruit of the vine, and then come on Wednesday and I'm good, right? The thought process of this is all that we have to do to be in a good standing with the Lord. But you see, while it is very important not to forsake the assembly of the Lord, the Hebrew writer tells us this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, where the writer says, not abandoning our own meeting together as is a habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. But there is more to being a Christian than just filling the pews and making a check mark on a piece of paper for a daily Bible reading challenge. We can very easily see this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, where Paul told the church in Rome, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. You see, brethren, if we are presenting our bodies as living in holy sacrifices to God, then we have to do more than just go through the motions while we're inside these walls and around our brothers and sisters in Christ. In order to make our lives a, a sacrifice acceptable to God, then we have to be walking the walk and talking to talk every single day. And not just when we are here to worship together, or when we are around other Christians. Now, if you will, open your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew chapter 25, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 to 13 to start off with. That's Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven will be comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were prudent. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the prudent took oil and flask along with their lamps. 
Now while the bridegroom was delaying, they all got drowsy and began to sleep. But at midnight there was a shout, Behold, the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the prudent, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the prudent answered, No, there will not be enough for us and you too. Go instead to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. And while they were going away to make the purchase, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding feast, and the door was shut. Later the other virgins also came, saying, Lord, Lord, open up for us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Be on the alert then, for you do not know the day nor the hour. Now in this parable of the ten virgins, we see that five of the virgins were ready with their extra oil. And, this caused, and the five other ones did not. And that caused them to not have enough when the bridegroom came to get them. Now it is my belief in this parable that the virgins represent those that are already in the church. Meaning the members of the Lord's church. The reason being, you see, in order to wait for the bridegroom, you would have had to have been a part of the wedding ceremony. So this means that they were a part of this wedding ceremony, just like we, as Christians, are part of the church. The oil and the lamp that is talked about here is our works and our deeds. And the reason for my belief in this is, the extra oil could not be given to the ones who did not bring extra. You see, the five that just brought enough for the lamp and did not bring extra are the ones that I believe that are in the church already and have either given up on the work or maybe they're hoping that their past works that they have done will be enough to hold them over. Maybe thinking, well, what I did in the past is good enough. I don't need to do any more because I have done this or that back then. But yet the ones that brought the extra oil, I believe, are the ones who are still working for and towards the kingdom. We see that they couldn't give away any of their extra oil, their works and their deeds. Just like our works for the kingdom of God cannot be passed on to anyone else, not our children our siblings, or our parents. We also cannot bank on others' works and deeds for our own salvation. We have, to be <clears throat> we have to be working for and towards the kingdom ourselves as well. You see, we are told that we are all to work out our own salvation, Philippians 2, verse 12, where Paul says, So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And we are also told that all of our acts, both good and bad, will be brought to the judgment. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 14. And also, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10 says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive compensation for his deeds done through the body, in accordance with what he has done, whether good or bad. Now let's open our Bibles and go back to Matthew chapter 25, and I want to read verses 14 to 30 now. That's Matthew 25, 14 to 30. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted his possessions to them. To the one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, each according to his own ability. And he went on his journey. Immediately, the one who had received the five talents went and traded with them and gained five more talents. In the same manner, the one who had received the two talents gained two more but he who received one talent went away and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of these slaves came and settled accounts with them. 
The one who had received the five talents came up and brought five more talents, saying, Master, you entrusted five talents to me. See, I have gained five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Also, the one who had received the two talents came up and said, Master, you entrusted two talents to me. See, I have gained two more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful slave. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one also who had received the one talent came up and said, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. And I was afraid and went away and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked, lazy slave, you knew that I reap where I do not sow and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have put my money in the bank, and upon my arrival I would have received my money back with interest. Therefore take away the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have, shall be taken away. Throw out the worthless slave into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now I think there's a reason that Jesus followed up the parable of the ten virgins with this parable here. You see, I believe he did this that way we can see, well, yes, we are to be waiting and to be ready for the second coming. But to understand that a part of that waiting process is to be working for the Lord. This furthers my belief that in the parable of the ten virgins, that the oil and the lamp represent our works and our deeds. You see, one of two things will happen in our lifetime, and that is either Jesus will make his triumphant return, and the whole world will go through the final judgment, or we will pass on from this life. And what does the Bible say about after we die? Well, in Hebrews 9, verse 27, the Bible reads, And just as it is destined for people to die once, and after this comes judgment. You see, whether Jesus comes again or whether we pass on, either way, we need to understand that our lives are supposed to be lived in such a way where we are constantly ready to meet our Lord. Because no matter which one of those happen first, we will meet him. And we will have to have been making sure that our lives have been ones where we have been workers for him and for his kingdom, along with making sure that we are following his commandments and living a Christian lifestyle. Brethren, we cannot fall into a position of laziness and hope to sneak into the back gate of heaven because that simply will not happen. Here in the parable of the talents, we can very easily understand that we are the ones that the master has given the talents to. And the master here in this parable is Jesus. Every single one of us that are sitting in here have a talent that God has given us to help further the kingdom. Now, whether that's a song leader, a deacon, an elder, a preacher, a Bible school teacher, and really the list can go on. There's a lot of work that we can be doing for the Lord. And the Lord has blessed us with many different talents so that we can do and accomplish these works and glorify God in them. Now we can also take from this parable that if we work on the talents that he has given us and we take the time and invest them and trade them, meaning that we're pushing ourselves and furthering what we know and what we are doing, that we can multiply our talents, can't we? But what happens if we just sit on them, if we just do nothing? 
Well, what does Jesus say here in the parable about the one who took the talent and did nothing with it? What does the master say to the servant? Let's go back to verse 26 and see exactly what is said. In verse 26, we see he was told, you wicked, lazy slave. Now that's pretty harsh, isn't it? Not just to be told that you're lazy, but that you're wicked on top of it as well. But this isn't all that happens to the servant, is it? What happens to him in verse 30? Well, in verse 30, we read that he is thrown into outer darkness, where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And brethren, that place that Jesus is talking about there is hell. So the servants in this parable are us, the ones that are in the church. Just like in the parable of the ten virgins are us as well. The master is Jesus, and so is the bridegroom. The talents are what he has given us to further the kingdom of God, and the oil and the lamp represent our works and our deeds. So very plainly, we can see in these parables that we are to be a working group of Christians for the Lord that we must be workers for the Lord, that we cannot just do nothing and expect to enter into, king, into the kingdom of heaven. We we're told this right here in both of these parables, aren't we? We were told that the servant who did nothing with his talent was cast into outer darkness, where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, and that the five foolish virgins were told that they were not known. So from these two parables, we can see that we must be ready. Meaning our lives are to be ones that reflect who we are and our lives are to be lived in a Christ-like way. Now, if you will, turn with me to Matthew chapter 26, and I want you to see something here in verse 73. That's Matthew chapter 26, verse 73. A little later, the bystanders came up and said to Peter, Surely you too are one of them, for even the way you talk gives you away. Now, did you catch something there in this verse that we just read? The point that even after Peter had denied Jesus twice already, the way that he talked gave him away to the bystanders that he was associated with Jesus. Brethren, this is how we need to be as well. That even when we are struggling or in a bad situation, the way that we talk and the way that we act should give us away as well as being a part of the church and with the Lord. That way, when Jesus comes again, he will call us home with him to receive that which has been prepared for us. John chapter 14, verse 2. But the opposite of this, if we are not ready and we are not living our lives in a Christ-like way, then the Bible says that he will tell us that he does not know us and will be cast into outer darkness. Brethren, we must be working for the kingdom. We cannot just be sitting around and doing nothing. We are warned all throughout the Bible of becoming lazy, aren't we? We can go all the way back to Genesis, where God put Adam in the garden to work it and to care for it and see that God's intentions for man was to be working. And also in Proverbs, we're told that the hand of the diligent will rule, but the lazy hand will be put to forced labor. And Paul tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 to 10, where he wrote to the church in Thessalonica, now we command you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother or sister who leads a disorderly life, and not one in accordance with the, with the tradition which you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example, because we did not act in an undisciplined way among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day, 
So that way we would not be a burden to any of you, not because we do not have the right to this, but in order to offer ourselves as a role model for you so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. Now, did you catch that where Paul says that they were working night and day that way they could offer themselves as a role model to them? You see, this is still a verse that we can take and apply and use as a role model for ourselves and for our lives. Now, yes, while it is true that we can never work enough to gain our salvation, and that is not what I'm saying here. You see, we all know, or at least I hope that we all know, that without God's grace and Jesus' sacrifice for us, then we would have absolutely no hope of salvation or heaven at all. No matter how much we work, or how much we do, or what we do, we could never have our hope without the grace of God and the sacrifice that Jesus has made for us. We know this from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, where it says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a, re not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. But this still does not mean that we are just to be doing nothing. You see, we are called to be workers for the Lord, aren't we? Jesus tells us that if we love him, we will keep his commandments. John chapter 14, verse 15. And honestly, how can we know his commandments unless we are in our Bibles and digging in them to see how we are to be? If we're not applying ourselves to be a better person every day. You see, nowhere in the Bible will you find a verse that says it's okay to be a weekend warrior where we're only acting as Christians on Sundays or even when we're only inside the walls of this building here and around our brothers and sisters. You see, that would be what the Bible calls being lukewarm. However, you will find where we are told to put on the full armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 13. And what are we told if we are to become lukewarm? Well, turn with me to Revelation chapter 3, and let's read verses 14 to 16. That's Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 16. <clears throat> to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, The Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of creation of God, says this, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. With these scriptures, brethren, we can see that we need to put on the full armor of God and go all in for God, because God does not want half-hearted or lukewarm Christians for him. He wants us to be 100% committed to him, and not just on Sundays and Wednesdays, but every day of our lives. You see, we must not become too comfortable in these four walls and in our pews. We must be workers for Jesus. All of us have to be workers for Jesus. We cannot fall into the mindset of, well, that's the preacher's job, or that's the elder's jobs, or that's the deacon's jobs. Brethren, it's all of our jobs. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 9. And brethren, what does James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26 tell us? Well, turn with me in your Bibles, and let's go to James chapter 2, and we'll read verses 14 to 26. That's James chapter 2, verses 14 to 26. <clears throat> What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? 
Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warm, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. If someone, but someone may well say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without the works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. But are you willing to recognize, you foolish fellow, that faith without works is useless? Was not Abraham, our father, justified by works when he offered up Isaac, his son, on the altar? You see that faith was working with his works, and as a result of the works, faith was perfected. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, And Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. You see that a man is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. So what is James telling us here? Well, we can see very plainly that we are to be working through our faith. We can see that faith alone will not get us into heaven, but that we also have to be working as well. You see, we cannot fall into the situation like the slave in Matthew chapter 25, where we bury our talents, or like the five virgins where they were not ready and our works and our deeds have stopped. We cannot sit on what God has given us to help spread his word and further his kingdom and still expect to partake in the things which he has made ready for us. We see that in the parables that we read in Matthew chapter 25. In fact, these parables, parables tell us that if we do sit on our talents or rely on past works and deeds, then we will be cast in the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth, and that we will be told that he does not know us. But we do see in the parable of the talents that the ones who invested their talents and doubled them, that they were rewarded by the master, weren't they? Turn back to Matthew chapter 25, and let's just take a look at verses 21 and 23. Let's see what the master tells these servants. Well, in 21 and 23, we read that he tells them, Well done, good and faithful slave. You are faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And just like the five virgins that were able to go with the bridegroom to the wedding feast, Brethren, we can see and understand that these parables that we read, along with the one that follows about the sheep and the goats, are parables of the second coming of Jesus. This was his answer to the apostles when they asked him what it would be like in Matthew chapter 24. So what is it that you want to hear during the judgment? Now, whether that is the second coming or the judgment that happens after we pass, whichever one does come first, what do you want to hear? Which do you want to be? Do you want to be one of the prudent and prepared virgins and be welcomed into the wedding feast? And just like the slaves, what the talents were told, well done, good and faithful slave, enter in to the joy of your master. Or do you want to be like the foolish virgins, where they were told by the bridegroom, truly I say to you, I do not know you. Or as a slave who buried his talent, you wicked and lazy slave. And he was also called worthless by the master. And then he was cast into outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Brethren, the choice is yours. 
Which will you do? Will you live your life every day in such a way where your works and your deeds are helping you to be prepared for the second coming of the Lord or for your life to end and for you to meet him that way? Or will you be like the lazy slave and like the foolish virgins and hope that what you've done in the past and you're not trying to further your knowledge and your works and your deeds for him and ultimately be told that you are not known and be cast into outer darkness? And I hope and pray that everyone here wants that first choice. That everyone here today wants to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But the choice is yours. God gives us all the, the free will of choice. But if there's anyone here today that feels that maybe they have struggled in this area or any other area and would like the prayers of the congregation here for and with you, or if you would like to put on Jesus in baptism and become a part of his church and start serving him and start living your life for the Lord, that way when the time comes, you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Whatever your needs may be, please come forward as we stand and sing.